Let's turn to God's word together as we see it again in Matthew 14 and verses 22 to 36. Once a month, our young people who are in Adventure Kids or in Accelerate have a Zoom call on a Sunday morning as they, they catch up and they recap some of the Sunday morning children's videos that we've made uh, for them. And last Sunday, the young people had their Zoom call and Shona and Rona, who were running the Zoom call, asked the young people what superpower they would like if they could have it. And so there were various answers as to what kind of superpower people would uh, like. And some said that they would uh, like to fly. Others said that they would like to have uh, super strength. Uh, others wanted a superpower uh, to be invisible. And it's kind of fun to think, isn't it? Uh, what kind of superpowers that we would like to have if we were able. But one of the superpowers that I think would be really useful, but is rarely mentioned, would be the ability to walk on water. I think this would be a, a great superpower. You see, here we are in, in West Cobrite, and we can't be outside today, it's a wee bit cold and, and rainy, so we're here uh, in the church. But maybe when you're out in your daily walk and you're down at the beach and you look across to the Isle of Arran or you look across to Wee Cumbrae or uh, Great Cumbrae and you think, you know, it would be just great, wouldn't it? If I could just get on the water and just walk my way uh, across uh, to the other side, that would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Walk across to Arran, then across to the Cumbrae's, uh, walk back to Largs, have your tea. Wonderful. That would be great. Just think about it. No waiting for ferries, no going on boats. And to me, that just sounds absolutely wonderful. You see, sailing has never really been my thing. One of the only times that I was on a, a sailboat was when I was about 15. And I was in the Scouts at the time, and one of the activities was to go uh, sailing. And it was just a small uh, sailboat on a large loch. I think it was in Fife somewhere. I can't quite uh, remember. Needless to say, it didn't go well. It was just a, a small sailing boat, and somehow I managed to sink it. And even worse was the fact that I managed to sink the boat even before it had left the jetty. I managed to topple the boat over, and it filled with water and capsized. So that wasn't a great experience of sailing. And anyone who knows me also knows that I don't do very well on rough seas. I get really, really seasick. And so, in my opinion, the sea is for looking at and enjoying looking at, but land is there to stand upon. You cannot beat a bit of terra firma. Now today, we see this great miracle in Matthew 14 of Jesus walking on the water. And we then see the amazing way that Peter joins him walking on the water. Now, if you remember the context here, remember last week we saw Jesus feeding an enormous crowd. 5,000 men besides women and children. So maybe 10,000, 15,000 uh, people. And Jesus fed them with only five loaves and two fish. And after the, the crowd has eaten their fill and the 12 baskets have been filled up uh, with the, the broken pieces left over, now today we see in Matthew chapter 14 the miracle of Jesus 
walking on the water. And the amazing way that Peter joins him walking on the water also. Now, if you remember the the context, remember last week that we saw Jesus feeding an enormous crowd. 5,000 men besides women and children. So perhaps a crowd of, I don't know, 10,000, 15,000 people. And Jesus feeds them with only five loaves and two fish. And we see in our passage today that after the the crowd has eaten and uh, the 12 baskets of leftover food have been collected, uh, that Jesus then makes the disciples go back into the boat to take it to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus himself dismisses the crowd and then goes up a mountainside to pray. Now remember here that following John the Baptist's death and following Herod's threats, that Jesus has been seeking some solitude, which of course prompted the journey in the first place over the Sea of Galilee. But remember how when he reached the other side that there was this huge crowd like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus ministered to the people. So obviously with the crowd being there, Jesus had no time to be alone. But now after the disciples are in the boat and the crowd has been uh, dismissed, finally Jesus has some alone time and he has some time and an opportunity to pray. You see, now that John the Baptist had gone, this was a really key time for Jesus in his ministry. And just after this, Uh, time, this time of prayer, we see this being a really key time where Jesus begins a kind of ministry to the Gentiles and then, of course, he sets his face to the cross. So I hope that we see that this is a kind of time of transition and Jesus is coming closer to doing what he's ultimately come to do, which is to go to the cross at Calvary. Now, just as a, a first point this morning, it's really important that in the same way that Jesus spent time in solitude with his father, that we too spend some time alone with God in prayer. At the moment, as I said in our intimations, we have a banner outside the church that says, try praying. Why? Because we believe in prayer. We believe in seeking after God. We believe that God is able to speak into our situations, and into our lives. And if Jesus prayed and he he was God's son, then we too ought to pray. And I would encourage you, if you've never prayed before and never truly prayed, then try picking up a Try Praying booklet from the church. And if you do pray, well, why not use the Catching the Way 40 Days of Prayer During this time of Lent, as many in the church are doing, the details of that are in the latest church email or on the Facebook page. So I want you to notice, first of all, Jesus spends time alone and he prays. It's a good pattern for us to follow. Now, at the same time as Jesus is praying on the mountaintop, at the very same time we see the disciples in the boat, trying to get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, the Sea of Galilee is about seven miles across at its broadest point. And in nine to 12 hours, 
The disciples had only managed to make it maybe three, four miles uh, across the lake. Why? Because the sea, the, the wind was against them. And so they've been struggling for hours and hours and hours trying to get across to the other side of the lake. And they are buffeted about by the waves. And so now, by this time, Jesus has been praying on the, the mountaintop. The disciples are in the middle of the lake. And early in the morning, after the disciples have been on the lake for hours and hours, just before dawn, the disciples see something. Or rather, they see someone on the water. And they see this figure walking on the water. Now, let's not be too harsh on the disciples here. They, they had been up all night. They'd been, you know, rowing away on this uh, boat most likely. And they see this figure walking on the water. Now, who does that? Who walks on water? Have you ever seen someone walking on water? Me neither. I haven't seen anyone do that. It's therefore no wonder that the disciples think that they see a ghost. Because to them, there is no other explanation. And they cry out in fear. I think we would have done exactly the same. But Jesus doesn't make them wait and wonder, does he? He immediately says to them, and it's interesting, immediately is a word that's repeated three times in this passage. Immediately, he says to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. So immediately, Jesus wants to reassure the disciples. But Peter, and of course it had to be Peter. Peter is really the spokesman, the foreman, if you like, of the, the disciples. The one who's always, you know, putting his, his foot in it often. Uh, but he's always the one who's uh, foremost out of all the disciples. He wants more proof that this is Jesus. And you have to admire Peter's faith, don't you? Because Peter says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, perhaps surprisingly, Jesus takes up that challenge and he says to Peter, come. Now, to be fair to Peter, and I don't know if I would be the same in his situation, Peter swings his legs over the side of the boat and he goes for it. And he walks on the water. I'm not sure that I would have been so brave. As the book title of the famous book by John Ortberg goes, if you want to walk on the water, you've got to get out of the boat. And that's exactly what Peter does. And Peter shows great faith. Great faith, especially when you think of the strength of the wind, when you think of the waves that are probably buffeting the boat uh, as well. Peter gets out of the boat and amazingly, he begins to walk on the water. Can you imagine? But then something happens. Because when Peter sees the wind, Peter is afraid. And he begins to sink. Before he was walking along as he kept his eyes fixed on Jesus. But then he sees the wind. Now, of course, we, we can't see the wind, can we? We, of course, feel the wind, but, but we, we know exactly what's happening here, don't we? You see, when Peter first goes over the edge of the boat in his excitement, it seems to me that he's got his eyes fixed on Jesus. 
But then his attention is taken away from Jesus and he's fixated on the the wind and he, he begins to doubt. And as he doubts, what happens? He begins to sink. And he has to call out to Jesus as he, he's sinking, Lord, save me. And immediately, that word again, Jesus reaches out his hand and catches him and says, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And together they walk in the water once more back to the boat. And when they get back into the boat, then the wind dies down. Now, this is such a familiar story to us, isn't it? But there are a couple of things that I want you to notice this morning. The first thing, I want you to notice what this tells us about Jesus. Because this story tells us that Jesus has power over nature and that he truly is the Son of God. I love what Charles Price says about this because he says, that which threatened to be over Peter's head, i.e. the water, was under Jesus' feet. And I love that. You see, we know that it should not be possible to walk on the water. Physics tells us that that is not possible for humans. Of course, Jesus is more than human. Jesus is divine. Nothing is impossible for him. Everything, even the waves on the sea, are under his feet. It's no wonder then that when Jesus and Peter get back into the boat, the disciples worship Jesus and declare him for the first time, the Son of God, the Messiah. You see, this is a mighty display of Jesus' power and who he is. And the disciples recognize this, that no one else could do this. And they bow down and they worship. And when we understand who Jesus is, then that's what we are called to do too. And what we cannot help doing, as we understand that Jesus is divine, we can only bow the knee and worship him. You see, over the last few weeks, we've seen different reactions to Jesus, haven't we? The people of Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, who rejected Jesus. Herod, who beheaded John, and in time would reject Jesus too. The crowds, who were like sheep without a shepherd, and yet who found in Jesus a true shepherd. The disciples, who on a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee see Jesus' divine power, declare him to be the Son of God, and who bow down and worship him. Now, what I want you to notice is that Jesus always demands a response. We cannot just sit on the fence when it comes to Jesus. We have to make a response to him. What is a response to Jesus this morning? Jesus shows he's divine. Do you believe that? Are you willing to bow the knee? The second thing I want you to notice this morning is about Peter. Peter, in this passage, exercises faith. And in our lives, there are times when we too 
are called to exercise faith. Now, interestingly here, Peter volunteers, doesn't he? When the disciples see Jesus on the water and they think he's a ghost, you know, Peter's looking for proof. Jesus, if that's really you, then call me out to be with you. In many ways, that seems a kind of foolish thing. It's therefore surprising that Jesus says to Peter, come. But what we need to notice is that faith is never forced. Peter volunteers. Jesus says, come. And so Peter goes. And he swings his legs over the side of the boat and he goes walking on the water. Of course, it's when he stops focusing on Jesus and focuses on the strength of the wind that the problems come. And that can happen in our lives too, that we become focused on the problems in our life rather than upon the one who's greater than all our problems. And look what happens to Peter. You see, when he takes his eyes off Jesus, he begins to sink because he's focused upon the wind. He's focused upon the problem. He's scared. But even when he's scared, even during those times when he doubts, what happens? Jesus reaches out, catches him, and then walks with him. And in our lives, I believe that God never gives us more than we can cope with. And in those times when we, we call out to God because we're, we're almost overwhelmed, we can trust that when we call, Jesus will answer. And there's another thing I want you to notice here also. You see, what I want you to notice here is when did the wind die down? You see, what was Peter afraid of? He was afraid of the wind when he's walking on the water. When did the wind die down? It was only when Jesus and Peter got back into the boat. Now, what we need to realize is that Jesus could have calmed the sea, could have calmed the wind long before if he wanted to. He could have calmed it from the mountaintop. It would have been no problem for him. He's already calmed this sort of storm if we know Matthew chapter 8. It would have been easier, you would have thought, for Peter to walk on the water when it was all calm, when there was no wind. In some ways, sometimes we want life to be smooth and to be easy. But sometimes we have to exercise faith when things are tough, when the wind is blowing and the waves are all around us. It seems much harder then, isn't it? to exercise faith when things are not easy and to trust even in the difficulty that Jesus is right there with us. So I want you to notice that Peter had to endure the wind and the waves. He had to trust Jesus and all the way through, Jesus was there with him. And even during the difficulty, Jesus walked beside him and brought him back to the safety of the boat. And maybe in your situation today, when the waves are threatening to overwhelm you, you just need to know that Jesus is right there. And even during those times when it feels as though you're sinking, Jesus is just a hand breadth away. You just need to call out to him. 
and trust he's there. So I want you to notice in our passage today, Jesus is divine. All nature is in his hands, and the disciples worship him. And we too are called to worship. I want you to see Peter, Peter, the one who exercises faith, even in spite of the the wind and the waves. And we too, in our lives, are often called to exercise faith. And when Peter's faith falters and he calls out, Jesus is right there to save him. And we too can be assured when we call out to Jesus in our time of need, he will be there for us. You see, we're never promised that life will be easy, that life will always be smooth and calm. But when we call out, Jesus is right there with us. And the very last thing this morning, Jesus and the disciples landed at Gennesaret, very likely blown off course. That's probably not really where they should have landed, but because of the wind, that's where they ended up. But of course, Jesus is never blown off course, is he? The people, as they land, recognize Jesus. And Jesus responds to their faith by healing them. Even those who touched the edge of his robes were healed. You see, it's no coincidence that Jesus ends up there. There are no coincidences with God. Today in your life, Perhaps Jesus is asking you to exercise faith. What will you do? Will you remain in the boat? Will you be frightened by the wind? Or will you, like Peter, despite his faith ended up being faltering faith, will you go? Will you swing your legs over the side of the boat and walk on the water, disregarding the the wind and the waves, looking towards Jesus? Trusting that despite the things that threaten to go over your head, that Jesus truly does have everything under his feet. And we can always trust him. Shall we just join together in prayer? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this familiar passage today that speaks into our hearts and our minds. We thank you that it tells us that Jesus is no ordinary man, but he is the Son of God, the one who is divine, that even nature responds to him. We thank you, Lord God, that the disciples recognized this and they bowed down and they worshipped him and declared that he was and is the Son of God. And in our lives, Lord God, as we understand who Jesus is, we pray that we would be willing to bow the knee before him. Lord God, we thank you also for the faith that Peter exercises. We thank you for the way that he was willing to swing his legs over the edge of the boat and to walk on the water. And we pray that we might be like Peter, that we would be people of faith, and that we would fix our eyes upon Jesus. And Lord God, we recognize a bit like Peter, sometimes we're overwhelmed by our, our problems. Peter being overwhelmed by the wind and the, and the waves and he begins to sink. And sometimes in our own lives, faith feels a bit like that as we 
as we doubt. We take our eyes off Jesus. Lord God, may we understand that Jesus is reaching out his hand to us and we simply need to trust in him. And no matter what we're going through in our lives, we will never be overwhelmed because Jesus is the one who walks beside us. He's the one who supports us. He's the one who will help us through. So loving Lord God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word. Today we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.